It is said that Jesus came proclaiming the arrival of God's kingdom, but we got the church instead. Have you ever noticed that? That the kingdom of God was the centerpiece of Jesus' teaching and ministry, and he was going to be the one to bring it to its fulfillment. According to the Gospel of Mark, these are even the first words that are found on Jesus' lips. The time is fulfilled, he says, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. Jesus proclaimed himself to be the kingdom bringer, but we got the church instead. I have found that when you really start unpacking the meaning of the kingdom of God to people, they start salivating because that's deeply what they want. When you explain to folks that the kingdom of God is is not going to heaven when you die, but rather it's the life of heaven finally coming to earth. That's what we see at the end of Revelation. It's our beautiful world without any of its ugliness. It's life on earth as it was intended to be. Joy-filled relationships, putting your hands to meaningful work, adventure and learning, peace and beauty, the the flourishing of all people. Imagine the best world possible, and the kingdom of God is a thousand times more stunning. Who doesn't want the kingdom of God? But Jesus, we cry, despite you announcing its arrival, despite you offering parables about its nature, Despite your ministry being all about it, where is it? Where is the kingdom of God? Because all that's left from your so-called kingdom ministry, all that I can see, is this thing we call the church. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a pastor, right? The church can be pretty great. She's done a lot of good throughout the centuries. She's been a force of significant change in our world But, and this is a big one, the church is also responsible for a ton of damage. I have a list of grievances, and I'm sure you do too, and that list is pretty long. Jesus came proclaiming the arrival of God's kingdom, but we got the church instead. This statement has become an all-too-popular quip in the academic world, but it is one that deserves careful consideration. What is the church's relationship to the kingdom of God? If the kingdom of God is what we want, if it's what the world really needs and longs for, if it is ultimately what God intends for his creation, then why the church? I graduated from a seminary that had a nice and neat answer to this question. They would say that the kingdom of of God and the church have nothing to do with each other. That's because God's kingdom project was always intended for Israel. But since Israel rejected their king, since they rejected Jesus, God hit the pause button on his kingdom coming to earth. And by pressing pause human history enters into a new dispensation, the age of the church, an age that has nothing to do with the kingdom. So that presently, in this dispensation, God's goal 
is to gather a people from all tribes and nations and get them heaven-bound as soon as possible so that Israel's king can return and press play on God's kingdom coming to earth for Israel. This viewpoint, which goes by the fancy name dispensationalism, effectively creates two peoples of God, Israel and the church. So that, God, so that God's promised kingdom on earth is for Israel, which will finally occur when Jesus returns. And God's promise of heaven is for the church, which occurs either when you die or when you are raptured to heaven at the second coming. Now, you've likely been exposed to some of these teachings before, maybe in a Schofield or Ryrie study Bible, or with the Left Behind series, or some popular level books on prophecy and the end times, all of which make this strong distinction between the kingdom of God on the one hand and the church on the other. All very nice and neat. It's just that Jesus doesn't make it that easy for us. In his mind, there is not a strong distinction between the kingdom of God and the church, but rather a strong connection. And we see this clearly in our gospel reading today from Matthew 16, that well-known passage that marks a turning point, not only in Matthew's gospel, but in Mark's and Luke's as well. I'm talking about Peter's confession, a confession prompted by Jesus himself. You see, up to this point, Jesus, as we all know, you know, he's been proclaiming the arrival of God's kingdom. He's been teaching on what the kingdom of God is like. He's even been demonstrating the kingdom as he dines with the poor, heals the lame, releases the oppressed. And all of this creates quite a buzz, right? Who is this guy? What's going on? Could it be true that we really are on the verge of God's kingdom becoming a reality here on earth? And is this the guy who will truly bring it all about? Well, in the midst of all this chatter, Jesus is curious as to what his disciples think about all this. And so one day he decides to crack open the conversation. Who do people say that I am? That's safe enough to get his disciples talking. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. And that's when Jesus then turns and puts the question to them directly. But what about you? You who have been with me the longest. You who have heard me proclaiming the arrival of God's kingdom. You've heard me teaching about what the kingdom is like, demonstrating the kingdom with signs and wonders. What about you. Who do you say that I am? I wonder how long this question hangs in the air until Peter finally breaks the silence. Or maybe he just jumps in without delay, full of confidence, as if he was ready for the question. You are the Messiah, he exclaims, the son of the living God. What a huge moment in Peter's life. What a huge moment in the gospel story. Peter, the preeminent apostle, apostle, confirms Jesus' identity, and in doing so, he interprets the current situation. He makes sense of what Jesus is all about. Because remember what Messiah means. This is kingdom language. Messiah means 
king, more specifically, Israel's king. Same with the Greek word for Messiah, the word Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is not a name. It's a claim. Jesus is the Christ. He is Israel's king. So see what's going on here. Peter is affirming that Jesus, as their king, he is indeed the kingdom bringer. He really is the one whom Israel is waiting for. The one who will fulfill the Old Testament promises, restore the people of Israel, defeat evil and injustice, and usher in an age of peace and righteousness for all. Jesus, Peter says, you are that Messiah. So far, so good, says the dispensationalist. So far, so good, says those of us who long for the kingdom of God to come to earth as it is in heaven. Yes, Jesus, bring God's promised kingdom. But then Jesus says something quite unexpected and utterly remarkable. He says to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What? Church? That came out of nowhere. I thought we were talking about the kingdom. And I thought Jesus had just been identified as the king of this kingdom. Why is he now, all of a sudden, talking about building the church? Well, because for Jesus, there is not a strong distinction between the kingdom of God and the church, but rather a strong connection. These are not two separate and unrelated realities, but rather two sides of the same coin. Because for Jesus, when we build the church, we bring the kingdom. Did you catch that? Ladies and gentlemen, there's today's sermon in a sentence. We build the church to bring the kingdom. And so question, did Jesus come to earth to establish God's kingdom or to build the church? Answer, yes. Right. They go together. For Jesus created the church to be his vehicle for realizing God's kingdom on earth. Remember at the end of John's gospel when the resurrected Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit upon his startled disciples? Do you remember what he says to them? As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. That's worth paying attention to. As the Father sent Jesus to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God, so Jesus calls and forms a people to go and do likewise. Or even better, I love how the book of Acts begins, which, which happens to be the second volume of Luke's gospel. Listen to what Luke says in the opening verse of Acts. He says this, in my first book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Implying that this second volume would now be about all that Jesus will continue to do and teach through his church. Right after that, Luke goes on to say that before the resurrected Jesus ascends into heaven, he spends time giving his disciples instructions 
appearing to them over the course of 40 days, speaking about what? The kingdom of God, Luke says. And then in the next chapter, the Holy Spirit descends and the church is born. Do you see the connection? The church is born to realize the kingdom, which means, again, we build the church to bring the kingdom. Have you ever thought about it this way? Do you realize that what we do here at All Saints, our common life together, lived in obedience to Jesus, that this is how God's kingdom is made known to the world? That our shared life together as a church is all about offering the world another world, another way to be human, another society, another nation of citizens even. My goodness, how important is this for us to lay hold of as we near the completion of our new nave? As so much of our time and attention over the last couple of years has been on building a building. Of course, there's nothing wrong with this. That is, unless it gets in the way of our primary work, which is not building a building, but building the church. Because we build the church to bring God's kingdom. Now, I know what you might be thinking. So often the church doesn't look anything like the kingdom of God, especially when the church, unfortunately, takes on sometimes the worst aspects of our world, and that is indeed a tragedy. This is why theologians often talk about the kingdom as being uh, both already present and also not yet here in its fullness. It is both partially present and still a reality to come. But that also means that while the church fails at times to manifest the grandeur of God's kingdom, there are also times when the church truly becomes a delightful foretaste of what God intends to do to his world. There are times when the church does, in fact, become a place of joy-filled relationships, a place of meaningful work, adventure, and learning, a place of beauty and peace, of human flourishing. And when this happens, the kingdom of God shines through and our world is blessed. Friends, we do not bless the world by forcing God's kingdom upon it, but by manifesting the kingdom among us in the midst of the world by being a contagious community who bears witness to a world that is on its way. Here at All Saints, we say this often, that we're not a perfect church. We have a long way to go. But I hope you can, I, I really hope you can taste it here. Because we are a foretaste of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is on the move among us. Lives are being changed. Beauty and peace are residing here. So let us not lose heart. Yes, we are building a building, but more importantly, we are building the church. We're nurturing a community that houses the very presence of God, opening up space in our world for the life of heaven to flood in. And in the building of the church, we are bringing the kingdom. And so I ask you this morning, what does this look like in your life? 
how are you participating in building the church to bring the kingdom? What part do you play in thickening our communal life together so that we might be a blessing to the world? May this calling forever be our focus here at All Saints. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that through your Son and your Spirit, you are building your church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. We give you thanks that we are recipients of this great work of yours. And we pray that we would continue to nurture our common life together to be a place that that is, is radically different from our world in such a way that it offers a new way to be human, that it, that, that it blesses the world around us because it manifests your reign, the kingdom of God, here on earth as you intended and as it will be in the end. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.